So I sent out 160 VHS tapes all over the country trying to break into TV. And that's kind of what you did back then because you had to pay your dues. You didn't just get hired out of college. You had to go to different television cities and markets and kind of build up your career. And then if you were good enough, maybe you'd get a chance to come back to Connecticut. So anyway, all the VHS tapes went back. This was round one. Now, one response. Hello and welcome to Beyond Networking, the show where we help you build a sustainable career in an unpredictable world. If you learn to weave a network of people who trust you, who feel heard, understood, and valued in your presence, there will always be someone willing to hire you, buy from you, or work with you. So what are you waiting for? Let's go Beyond Networking. Well, hello, Brian Miller here. And if you're new to the show, I'm a former professional magician turned author, speaker, coach, and consultant on human connection. Today's guest helped reestablish my career as a young professional magician when I first moved to Connecticut in 2010. Teresa Dufour is a news anchor and media personality. She hosts CT Style on ABC8, a daily segment featuring entertainers, authors, chefs, musicians, and more from the New England region. Over the years, Teresa's audience watched her grow up, meet her future husband, literally on air, and become a mother of two. In this conversation, Teresa peels back the invisible layers of a life lived on camera. We discussed the transition to parenthood and how it affects one's self-perception, the future or not of mainstream media, and how to connect with an audience that you can't see or hear. Plus, Teresa offers sage advice for newcomers to online media, which includes basically everyone from teachers to accountants in the wake of the 2020 pandemic. And she tells her incredible story of a chance encounter with lasting impact. For more about Teresa and her work, head to the show notes on beyondnetworkingpodcast.com. While you're there, be sure to join our community email so you'll always get notified when a new episode drops and you don't have to constantly check your podcast app because really, who's got time for that these days? Stick around until the very end of the episode for my three biggest takeaways. And now, please enjoy this conversation with the lovely and ever-bubbly Teresa Dufour. All right, Teresa, thank you so much for being here with me today. I really appreciate your time. Brian, this is a treat. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I was really looking forward to us getting to sit down and you know, live and in person in the studio mm -hmm. and set up my own version of your studio. And <laughs> uh, But you know, here we are in the middle of something that nobody could have ever predicted. But before we get into the current events, mm -hmm. uh, let me start here. If you're meeting someone for the first time, you've just been introduced to them these days, virtually or, or otherwise, uh, and they sure. ask, what do you do? What's your go-to answer? What do I do? Well, I do a lot of things, but I think my first response would be, I'm a mom who talks on TV sometimes. <laughs> um, my life has changed dramatically after I have had children. I have two babies at home. Um, and TV was my life prior 
to having these children. So now I kind of have taken a step back. I work part-time for WTNH in New Haven, uh, but I am a full-time mom that occasionally gets to talk on TV. <laughs> wow. So that's interesting. I actually did not realize that you stepped back from full-time work. When did th- when did that happen? Have I seen you since that happened? Uh, we might have chatted, but you probably wouldn't have known because I, I'm still fit. I feel like I fit eight hours of work into my little three-hour day. It is a very busy uh, workflow that I have. But after my second baby, my little girl is two years old, I didn't come back from maternity leave full time. Um, so I was on the maternity leave. Then I came right back in January working three hours a day. So with that three hours, I'm still able to produce and get Connecticut style on the air, which is so important to me. Yeah, yeah. that And that now remind me, because we've been we were originally connected via. And do you do you call it CT style or Connecticut style? I've heard it both ways. Uh, well, it's in a transition, right? It is CT style at this moment. But again, we're on hiatus. So there might be some new changes when we come back this summer. But as of sure. right now, CT style, you're correct. All right. So so because I think I called it Connecticut style the first time nine, 10 years ago, the first time I was on it. Can you believe it was that long ago? I think it was like 2011. Wow. But it was You were correct in calling it that. <laughs> so it has since evolved and might evolve again. But yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's been really fun to watch that show uh, evolve from I think when I was first on it, you were were you relatively new there at the time? It was it was it was the show in its infancy? Or did you did you come into an existing show? Take me back to that. Sure. Uh, so I've been at WTNH for 10 years and the show uh, started two years before I had gotten there. Okay. Um, I worked at WFSB, the CBS affiliate uh, in Connecticut prior to that, prior to coming to New Haven Channel 8. Uh, so CT Style was two years old when I took it over and we're going on to our 10th year now. Wow. Yeah. 10th year. So I must have come in right towards the beginning of when you you took it over, uh, which is uh, which is really, really cool. Uh, And I and I don't you were a magician back then, though. (laughs) I was. I was a magician the first three or four times I was on the show. I mean, I was a magician a bunch of times. Um, I was in the the second half of the 10 years that I was a full time magician when we started Mm -hmm. um, when we started hanging out. I, I, well, because I had I had just moved to, to Connecticut and I was looking for a way to, I was still a local or regional performer at the time. I didn't right. have the bigger business built up. And so when I moved to Connecticut, I, I needed a way to reach new people. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing because I'd love to hear your thoughts on kind of regional media versus, versus kind of national and international media. I think there's a lot of folks in my industry, people who are entrepreneurs, I know your husband is as well, who are, you know, business owners or entertainers. And they're, they always have this goal to somehow get to the tonight show. But <laughs> to be honest, in the new world, in the digital world, getting on local or regional media can be just as powerful, if not more powerful for, for your career. Do, what do you, what do you think yeah, about that? I think the technology is changing the whole way we look at things because um, even when you would wait till five o'clock to watch your news, you don't have to do that anymore. I mean, you can get your news instantly, whenever, wherever you want it. And that's the same with guests that I have. I don't even just have local guests anymore. I have authors from around the country because this, my story, sure, you only see it in Connecticut live while you're watching, but once it goes online, once it goes on our YouTube channel, it's nationwide, worldwide even. So it creates a lot of opportunities for people who want to get their name out there. Uh, Yes, people in Connecticut are just watching it live the first time around, but it lives on and on. 
And I'm curious, and I don't know behind the scenes, but I can't imagine that I bet a lot more people actually watch now not live than they actually watch live. And it gets to, yeah, and it gets to live on too, especially if you're, if you're someone like me and I'm guessing a lot of the folks that come on your show, you can always tell when there's someone who is not just getting their five minutes, but uses media for part of their business, right? You know, when someone comes on with their talking points and, and we get like, for me, I get a chance to not just go on and do it. I get it live. I get it when you post it. And then I get to take what you post it. And then I get to have my social media team rebrand it and redistribute it across all my socials. And this stuff gets to just go and go and go now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and if for someone who's just starting off, I mean, it's a, it's a great option as well. I mean, there's no holding back anymore. I mean, I, I'm sitting in a man cave right now and I've turned it into a studio. We have lights, we have a green screen, we have microphones. <laughs> yeah. So, and it's it's kind of great for new journalists or new people who want to do this TV thing or be in entertainment. You had this whole new avenue, no excuses anymore. You could do this yourself. That's, I okay, so <laughs> I wasn't going to get there until the end of this conversation. I'm going to skip right there right sure. now and then we'll come back to the track that I was, that I normally right. go down because uh, I love that you just went right there. Every, if you can listen to this podcast, if you can watch this conversation, that means that you have access to a media studio, right? You have a media studio in your pocket if you're listening to this. And that just changed the game and it changed the game for everybody. It means that not just people like you who are in, you know, you're, you're kind of in mainstream media, but like you're, you're like on, what you do is kind of on the edge of what I would consider mainstream and like really taking advantage of the new world. You know, I, I feel like when we think of the the real mainstream, it's not shows like yours that we're really talking about anymore. But the average person can just get they can reach anybody and everybody they they want to at a moment's notice now. So. I'm curious, where do you think that's leading us? Do you do you, where do you think that regional media, um, local media has a place in in the new future? You know, I'm not sure they do have a future. That's the thing. I think we've all had to adjust to learn how to do social media, how to broadcast online, how to kind of do it yourself, because it goes back to the, no one's waiting to five. To, until 5 p.m. or 11 o'clock at night to get yeah. their news. There's no point because you could get it instantly on Twitter. Why would you wait to hear a talking yeah. head tell you when you could see it for yourself with pictures? So I think local news, will we have it in five years? That's a really good question. That's why old veterans like me have to kind of evolve and learn how to do this because um, yeah. it's not the same like it used to be. I mean, it's... It's still very competitive to get on on TV because so many people can do it themselves now. Um, yeah, it is yeah. certainly evolving. I mean, I think we saw it with newspapers. How many people? I mean, there's something to reading a newspaper. I get it, but I think it's a dying tradition. It's a dying trade because you don't need the printed news. It's it's history by the time you get it. Oh yeah, I mean the 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 idea. I can't believe anybody is still reading the newspaper. And again, I I love and like I love the idea of it. I love the physical print. I right. miss things about the newspaper. Like I I literally I miss the comic strip because I can get all the comic strips online, but it doesn't feel the same as seeing the ink on paper. There's something very. It's just it's visceral in a way that that sure. the internet is kind of fleeting and ethereal. But at the same time, by the 
just the physical process of getting ink to paper and distributing it means by the time you're hearing it, it's so old. So <laughs> the world old. has it's moved like, on. I, I heard this five days ago. Why am I reading this now? You know? So yeah, it's, exactly. It's exactly. tough to keep so, up. So I'm afraid that is also going to happen with local news. I mean, everybody's turning to 24-hour news. You're seeing it in all the on all the networks. So I think maybe we see more local news. Maybe it's a 24-hour thing. I'm not sure, but I think it's going to be drastically changed. And I think this pandemic might also have something to do with it. Yeah. So I've been having that conversation with a lot of educators, people mm-hmm. in, in fields that have always claimed they would be resistant to change. I've, I had heard it so many times before this pandemic because a lot of my clients, I, I speak to a lot of educators, group, you know, groups and administrators and stuff. And they're always the ones that say, you have a classroom, you have to have students in the classroom and they have to do this and they have to do that. This like industrial model cannot change. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently it can because it did it a month certainly ago. certainly can. Right? It has to, right? <laughs> you learn how to do it and you learn to do it well. Yeah. So uh, it, I love that when I first asked you, you know, what do you do? Your answer was, was, you know, you first see yourself now as, as a parent, essentially as a mom and that your, your secondary thing. And that I love that you had said you used to see yourself like TV was your whole mm-hmm. life. And as you know, and some of my viewers and listeners now know, um, cause it's just public as of like three weeks ago, my wife is pregnant with our first. And so, <laughs> yes, I see that so face great. you made. Congratulations. <laughs> That's it's such a, a parent changer. face. <laughs> and so, yeah, well, so I, I, I keep hearing it's a game changer and I have no doubt that it is. And I keep wondering, my whole identity is wrapped up in, in my work and has been for f- 15 years. I mean, I've mm-hmm. never not been self-employed. I've never had a boss. I've never had a job apart from doing working for myself. And so I not only have am I wrapped up in my work, but I work for myself, which means my mission is the whole part of my life. Yeah, And I keep preparing for what is it going to look like when that cannot be my top priority? I'd love to hear what that transition was like for you. I, you know, for the last 15, 20 years that I've been on television, I'm, I'm Teresa from TV, but now I am Dante and Angie's mom. And that uh, has taken front seat and I'm happy and I'm okay with that. I think uh, when you become a mother or a parent, Uh, so much changes. Like I I was a traffic reporter for quite some time and I would report accidents. And once I became a parent, I had this new, new empathy. Like these are car accidents, but people are involved in these car accidents. This is somebody's child. And, and, and all of the, the news stories that I used to report, it was just words. I was getting the news out and that was it. But something changed when I became a parent and I, I felt these stories more than ever. Um, and I think that that kind of helped me or made me take a step back. Like, these are my little humans. These are my responsibility. I brought them into the world. I have to take care of them. And and that's what I'm doing. They, they take front seat to just about anything. Now, it, it's important not to lose the TV side of me because I love it. I have to have my own identity still. But... Um, Wait till you see when you have your little nugget. <laughs> when he barges in, or he or she barges through the door and you're doing a podcast. I mean, yeah, you exactly, just roll exactly. with it. You roll with it as best you can. Um, I'm, I'm curious to what you just said to just follow up on that, which is yeah. 
um, uh, a buddy of mine, one of my oldest uh, friends in the world, he and I have actually been running a pod. He still lives in Buffalo, where I'm from originally, but we've been running a podcast together. We actually started it a separate, just side project, little fun podcast that we're not promoting, just to have something to do together. And he and I were just talking the other day about the topic of authenticity, which has become such a big topic, especially in the virtual world. And how do you show up as authentic for your clients and customers, for your colleagues? Um, and for people like us, and I, because you just described that, um, that difference between feeling like you're, you know, you're a mom first, but you also have to have your own identity. You still have to be the TV person. Has that have you felt, a, a, has that caused a split for you where you have to kind of turn on the TV person now in a way you didn't used to have to? Yeah, I think the stories that I'm interested in reporting, that's different now. I think mm. uh, guests that I have on my show, I, I try to, I mean, it's a little bit of stay-at-home moms because that's what I'm working with right now. Mm. But um yeah, it, it is a balancing act for sure. I mean, there's days where, I feel like I'm not the greatest mom, but I'm being really good on TV and vice versa. Maybe I'm I'm being a great mom and the TV side of it uh, didn't get all it should. So it's all about a balancing act, I think, and trying to make both worlds work as best you can. And do you, you feel authentic when you're in both places? I do, because it's a little bit of... I, it's funny because my husband says, Teresa LaBarbera, that was my maiden name. That's what a lot of people know me on TV. And I got married five years ago and I'm Teresa Dufour. He's like, sometimes you go back on TV and you're Teresa LaBarbera. So you kind of have that opportunity to go back to what you know before you had children and your life kind of evolved. So yeah. I've always been what you see is what you get on TV. I, I've been an open book. I kind of grew up on television, if you will. I started... Yeah. Um, when I was 24, I'm 40 now. So that mm. whole gap has been on TV. People watched the first time I met my husband was on my show. He was a guest. So people <laughs> kind of watched me fall in love on TV. My wedding was everywhere. Um, my children, I, I just shared my life. So I feel like I, I'm still able to be authentic Teresa LaBarber or Teresa Dufour, depending on what I need to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have a photo of me and you and Ryan. I miss Ryan. Um, oh, don't you? I do too. Right. Um, me and you and Ryan, uh, we had taken a photo together. I think the last time I ever appeared as a magician on the show, which might have been 2015, and you were very pregnant at the time. Sure. <laughs> And so you are real close because the next time I was on the show, you weren't there. You were out on maternity, maternity leave. Yeah, that um, makes and sense. that must have been your first. So yeah, right? He's because he'll be five this year. Yeah, he'll be five. Yeah, in June. yeah. So so we were we were all right there with you, which is uh, <laughs> which is really it's really wild. So because you've been on TV for for pretty much, I mean, your entire adult life. You know what? Yeah. What are the biggest misconceptions people have about working in the media and in entertainment like that? I think people think that it is glamorous first of all it is it is not so glamorous sure it's fun but there's you do your own wardrobe you do your own hair you do your own makeup i mean we're not new york city movie stars we're doing it all ourselves <laughs> as best as we can um and i also think that people don't realize we're all humans trying to do this and that has changed because of social media People can hide behind a screen name and say whatever they want. And 
I've been doing it for a while, so I have thick skin and I don't really get affected. But starting off, I know I see a lot of young reporters really getting affected by what people say online. And, and that's something that's one of the biggest balances I think you have to work on if you're just starting in this profession. Um, uh, because media people, they're, they're very accessible. There's pros and cons when it comes to social media. You could say whatever you want uh, behind a screen name, but you're also able to contact these people if you want to follow up, if you want to, you know, work with them on a story and whatnot. So I have learned that people aren't always nice. I would say the majority of them are, but, um, you know, you have to have that thick skin because you're in front of people, you're a public figure, you chose to get into this and everyone has opinions. So that because you just said you chose to get into this, here, here's my question for you. So you yeah. did and I did, but there's a lot of people in a lot of professions that just now had to get into this, did not choose to get into this. Teachers did not choose that this is, you know, this is not what they signed up for. And now they're dealing mm-hmm. with all of that same stuff that you and I have developed a thick skin for. What what would you say to somebody who's just starting to deal with the kind of anonymous, you know, kind of rudeness on yeah. on the easy end and like hatred on the on the bad end you know i run three youtube channels and the internet can be very toxic um, <laughs> so you get it well, yeah. i think the best advice is continue to be yourself and do what's working you know yourself the best and that's the the best way you could portray yourself um also, don't read it all. You don't have to read it. These people are just yeah. putting their opinions out there. There's positive, there's negative. Ignore it. If, it. if it makes you uncomfortable, if it makes you feel upset, you don't have to read it. You're doing the best you can do. And I think that's all we can ask for, especially right now. Yeah, yeah. So let me pivot on that topic a little bit mm-hmm. to something that I'm, you know, has become kind of my life's work and kind of the main thrust of this show, which is all about connection and human connection and how you build relationships either intentionally or through chance encounters. Um, Mm -hmm. In a minute, you know, you know that I'm going to ask you about a story of a chance encounter um, and uh, and and we'll get there in a second. But but before we get there, I really curious whenever I talk to someone who's in the media um, where I'm I'm in, you know, Traditionally, I'm in live environments. Normally, I'm on a stage in front of a room mm-hmm. full of people. Even now in this pivot, all my work is still live. It's just being done virtually, but I'm really interacting with people in real time. Typically, your work is, even if it's live, you don't have a live audience reacting to you in real time. You see that reaction later. So how do you connect with an audience that you can't see or hear? That is a very good question. And I am challenged with that now that I don't have a co-host either. It was a little bit easier when I had Ryan with me because, you know, it was, he was the male perspective. I was the female perspective. We were able to connect with a lot of people that way. But now that it's just myself, I go back to that just being me um, as best I can, because I know that at 1230, there's a lot of stay at home moms that are watching. I know that, uh, we pick stories that might affect the senior citizens that are watching. I think as long as you can stay true to yourself, I mean, there's no acting with this TV thing. This is just me kind of talking and and being me and bringing you the information that you need. You stay loyal to yourself, and I think that's how you can connect. And then you look a little bit at the demographics. Who's watching your show? How can you best connect with them? What are they interested in? And then somehow it comes together and it works. 
I think that's really, really important that last that last bit you, that you just said, which which sometimes people talk about demographics as if it's kind of like some cold science or something. But I, <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's very different demographics. And, and with the Internet, we get kind of psychographics, which is really cool. We get the ability to uh, something my mentor talks about a lot, which is the ability to not just target people based on um, age and, and gender and stuff like that. But what mm-hmm. are their beliefs? What are the kind of things that they actually enjoy doing? Right. Psychographics are this new thing the Internet gave us. And and I don't see it as cold science. I see that as as like kind of like really warm empathy. Right. Saying, sure, who are the people people what they want? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Who are the people that are listening right now? I think it would be. And and there's a reason that you choose the stories that you choose and you talk the way that you talk. And if if you were if you were trying to do your show at 7 p.m. now instead of the 12 o'clock or 1230 slot, you normally do. I'm guessing you would not adopt the exact same kind of bubbly, upbeat approach and the exact same stories. Not to say you wouldn't be the same person, but you, you would right. you would you would change a you little have to bit, change. right? Yeah. Like before I was home uh, doing work, I was anchoring a coronavirus special instead of CT style. So they took CT style off the air and did this hard news uh, newscast. That's what we were doing. And of course it was different. I I couldn't be Teresa Dufour. I was, you know, I was giving you the facts. There was nothing fun about this awful virus that was Mm. taking over. And there's something like, I think people were happy to see a familiar face, but I wasn't able to do my typical delivery. This was important information that you have to learn and you had to get out. So you adjust as best you can. Um, But I'm still happy to have a 1230 spot. I mean, people are having lunch, people are home, the kids are home. And that's, that's what I'm, that's my life right now. Kids and kid friendly stuff. And that's what we're doing. And that's what we're putting on the air. But, you know, a month ago, it was this coronavirus special. So you do have to kind of change a little bit because no one's smiling about this virus. Yeah, no, that's 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 exactly right. Um, (laughs) And and it's interesting because I keep wondering to what extent do people want to keep seeing, hearing, and talking about this? I actually sent a survey to my blog audience one week in, not not even a week into the whole thing back in March, because I I, I had this moment where I write this weekly blog, and normally it's kind of fun stories and some insights I draw from that and stuff like this. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I was like, if I just, and I, you know, I'm usually three months ahead in my blog queue. I've written months ahead of myself so that when I'm on the road, I don't have to worry about it week to week. And I had all this stuff planned that had nothing to do with the current situation. And I was like, does this, if I just put this stuff out, is this what they need right now? Do they want a break? Do they want, do they trust, do they want me? Do they like me because I'm giving them a break from all that? Or do they trust me? Therefore, they want to hear my opinion on this. And I really didn't know. So I just sent out a survey and it actually blew my mind. I thought for sure my audience was going to say, don't talk about the virus, just keep doing you. But it was sure. the opposite. It was the really? opposite. 80 to 85% of my audience said, we want to hear about this from you. Not exclusively, not all the time, but we do want to hear what you have to say about this. And I was like, if I hadn't have, like back to the demographics, if I hadn't have sent that survey, I might've gotten that completely wrong and been talking about topics that were not interesting to them in this, in this sure. moment. And so, yeah, that that tactical empathy is like really important. That's fascinating. Yeah. I would have thought a little bit of a break, but you know, people I value so too. you, Brian, and they <laughs> want to hear what you have to say about it. Well, That's and it's, great. it's 
it's to the point where you had just said, I think you you being able to be a familiar face, someone that they mm-hmm. that people have grown up with, have watched you live out your life on air yeah. and they they see you and they they you feel like a friend in a certain way. Right. To, to right. people, um, even people who've never met you in person. And so to see you, even though you weren't delivering the bubbly stuff, that's probably mm-hmm. very comforting to have somebody they trust delivering the news they need to hear. Yeah, and I think that's true. People are in a routine uh, with their with their news, with what they're watching. And I think seeing that person going on with life kind of makes you think, yeah, this is going to be okay. You could do it. Yeah, and not just going on, but making the making the pivot, right? That's kind of the 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 difficulty and the privilege of being in a in the public eye is that mm-hmm. you sometimes you kind of have to all this you're dealing with all the same problems everybody like right you have a lot of the same concerns and worries and stuff in your head that everybody else does but you yeah. you are trusted to show up professionally as the person to lead them through right do you have you it's found a, yes that- it is a big responsibility um and it was difficult because since i'm only a part-time employee i had to really balance do i want to stay in the studio and anchor this show i don't want to give up on people or do i go home and take care of my family. You know, there was, it was a fine line and it got to the point where, you know, this is three hours a day. Yes, I feel bad leaving my post, but I'm going to do it at home. And that's kind of what I've been able to do. And I'm so grateful that I've had the opportunity to, to leave and come home and take care of my family and keep them safe. But I mean, I, I'll be honest, I bought some equipment. I want this to be good because I know that people rely on content that I put out there. So I'm yeah. so happy I'm able to do both. Well, that's great. So, so let's get to your uh, let's get to this story. I love to ask bright, successful people about their stories of chance encounters, and the reason is that over the last couple of seasons of running this show, the more people I talked to that, and when I say successful, I mean in whatever way that people define success is relative. Every person defines it in their own way, right? I've had on people that have done the, you know, they're multimillionaires and I've had on people that are um, studio coordinators at a local performing arts center, right? Mm-hmm. But they are all successful uh, in their own way and in a, in living a life that to them is, is, is worthwhile. And every successful person I talk to, when I ask them about how they got there, they all have these stories of synchronicity and random moments. And very rarely is it a, I planned this and then I did this and then I did this and then I did this. It's always these weird and winding tales. Like everyone starts their story with, well, I have kind of a weird story, (laughs) but everybody has a weird story. So, uh, so do you have a story for us of a, of a chance encounter in your life or, or career that really stands out for you? Uh, I think my career was based on a little bit of luck to begin with. Um, I'll bring you back to when I was a senior in college. We did these things called resume tapes. It was on a VHS tape. You put your best stuff on it. Most of it was all made up and you send it out to employees all over the country um, and you try and get that first job. And that first job is all about luck. So I sent out a hundred and 60 VHS tapes all over the country trying to break into TV. And that's kind of what you did back then because you had to pay your dues. You didn't just get hired out of college. You had to go 
to different television cities and markets and kind of build up your career. And then if you were good enough, maybe you'd get a chance to come back to Connecticut. So anyway, uh, all the VHS tapes went back. This was round one. Not one response. This was 150. I mean, as a college kid, that was expensive to send too. Uh, so I'm like, wow, maybe I'm not cut out to do this TV thing. And I actually went back and I said, I should have something to fall back on. I'm going to be um, a teacher. I started getting a master's degree in education because I said, this TV thing's not for me, but the teaching thing wasn't for me either. So I did round two of 80 more resume tapes around the country. This time I got two responses. Uh, one was in North Dakota. I don't even remember the city there. The other one was in Monroe, Louisiana. I knew nothing about either one of them, but I took, I took this chance on Monroe, Louisiana because it was hot and I didn't want to see any more snow. And that's what it came down to. Um, and I just got so lucky that this news director in Monroe, Louisiana, wanted to give me a shot. There wasn't, I'm sure he had hundreds of other resume tapes, just like I sent out with kids in college trying to get in. And I don't know exactly why, but he called me and he said, let's go to, come down to Louisiana, let's talk. Um, and he hired me on the spot. So wow. there's a lot of luck. I mean, wow. I got lucky to get my first job. And that's kind of how the rest of my career has, has panned out. I mean, I've worked very hard, but you need, a, you need someone to open that door for you. And it's a chance any way you look at it. Uh, maybe he needed a brunette. Maybe he needed a woman. I don't know what he was looking for, but I'm so grateful that it was me. And I got to spend two years in Monroe, Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> Not the first place you'd think of as your lucky break, but there you have it. <laughs> that's where it's it was. So funny that you you mentioned North Dakota, uh, and then I'll come right back to that. Really, North, North North Dakota. I know I have so many Tell stories why, about Brian. North Dakota. the The very first national college gig. I built my magic career mostly in in college entertainment, doing shows on college campuses all over the country. That's kind of where I got my break. And the first college that booked me that wasn't in like my immediate local town kind of thing was yeah. in Botano, North Dakota. So the first wow. time I ever flew across the country to do a magic show and felt like a rock star, which 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 matters, right? Because I felt like, oh, someone's willing to fly me across the country. Like that Seriously? mindset yes. changes things, right? When you get a call from Louisiana and they say, we want you to move here and be our, you know, whatever, that's got to yeah. change how you move through the world, right? It's exciting. I mean, you get someone to they paid for my flight. They helped me get an apartment. They were moving expenses. This guy really likes me. So maybe this is going to work out. So yeah, you get a little bit of confidence and you need that because you're going into this whole new environment that you don't know about. So that little boost really does make a big difference. Yeah. 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 I, I love that you just, you really hammered home something I've, I've spent so much time trying to explore, which is the role of luck and success. It's just, <laughs> Um, I don't, I don't think, you know, but, uh, cause it's really not public, but I I've been for the last year working on my second book. We had, um, I had come on, I saw you to talk about my, my first book at one point on, on CT, yes. uh, uh, on CD style, but, um, I've been working on my second one as a follow-up and it's the entire second book I'm working on is about the role of luck and success. That's what the <laughs> book is about. Um, <laughs> so you figure. just like 
steered right into that for me because it's exactly what you what you just said and you said it so eloquently which is you did work hard and and mm-hmm. and and you were determined and and you I'm sure you you worked your butt off and I'm sure mm-hmm. you made a lot of smart choices but you also got lucky and sure. and that is how I feel about my mm-hmm. career and that is what I've seen in every successful person is yeah they worked hard and they were passionate and they were determined and they persevered and they had resilience mm-hmm. and they got lucky and I worry that in this hashtag hustle culture that we have right now, mm-hmm. there's too many young people that think, that believe if I haven't been successful, it means I just haven't worked hard enough or I'm just not smart enough. It's like, no, you just haven't had that lucky break yet. Yeah, and that's that's what you need sometimes. You could spend hours or send out hundreds of resume tapes. You just need that one break. And I think if you're determined enough and you keep motivation going, it happens. It happens eventually. The universe has a strange way of working itself out and you get it back. I find it so curious that actually what brought you back that you actually did after 150 some odd tapes give up and so would I. I would have given up way before 150. I, uh, (laughs) you know, I mean, I don't know if I could have done that, but that you did give up, quote unquote, and decide to pursue teaching. And it's it's actually the fact that you realized that wasn't for you that brought you back and said, let's try again. How interesting Mm -hmm. is that? I I just knew deep down in my heart, people say, find your passion, find what you really want to do. I really wanted to be on TV. Like as a little kid, I always pretended I had a talk show. In high school, I was voted most likely to be a celebrity. It was just something I really wanted to do, but I also knew I had to be realistic. I had to have a job when I graduated. And um, that's why I started doing the teaching thing. It just wasn't for me. And I said, before I go all in, I mean, I I, I think it was two years of, of masters that just kind of went out the window because I wanted to do this TV thing. I'm like, let's just give it one more try. And if you have that in your gut and it's something you want to do, you can't give up on it because you're never going to be happy if you don't try. See, what I really love about that is that you didn't fall prey to the um, the sunk cost fallacy. And this, I see this all the time, which is I spent two years towards a master's. Yeah. I may as well become a teacher. Otherwise, I wasted the last two years. People do that all the time, right? I already spent the money. I already bought the thing. If I mm-hmm. don't use it now... Uh, then I wasted all that time. It's like, no, you already spent that money and you already spent that time. Continuing down a path of something you're not happy because you in the past did something doesn't make it, it doesn't make any sense. This It's a sunk right. cost. Leave it alone. It's true. Yeah. And then I'm just thinking more about the luck and these blind encounters. If I hadn't done the TV thing, I probably would never have met my husband. My husband is was a guest on my show. He bought advertising on WTNH and we were doing a segment about safe driving and he just walked right into the studio, right where I was. So there's so many things that get aligned. I, I don't know, you make these, yeah. these decisions and it lines up the rest of your life. <laughs> it's amazing, it's amazing. So right? <laughs> um, yeah, it, it really is. I mean, the ripples that that when you think back, when you have that, like, what if I had just turned left instead of right that day? You know, those kind of things <laughs> are are so bizarre. Even like even us, how I ended up getting connected with you, which now almost 10 years later, we're still, you know, now we're doing this. And, and yeah. what's amazing is the only way I got connected with you 
is through a series of completely random chance events, which started with me literally randomly turning in to an all-state plaza because I had moved to Connecticut and I was only six. I was I, I didn't know if I was going to stay at some point six months in. I realized I was staying and I went, oh, actually, I probably need to transfer my car insurance to this state if I'm staying here. And I was just driving. And as I thought that saw an all state and just turned in, literally yeah. turned in, walked in the door, started to go through the process. And while I'm sitting there, they're asking, what do you do? I said, I'm a magician. And suddenly everyone in the office is over near me and interested, you know, and one of <laughs> One of those guys, uh, his name was John, and he said, I'm really curious about what you do. Let me buy you lunch, which is a weird thing to do for someone that he wasn't even the guy helping me. He wasn't even the agent helping me. (laughs) So he bought me lunch. We talked. And at the end of that, I said to him, have you ever thought about being an entertainment manager? Now, this is an all state agent I met randomly an hour ago. I said, have you ever thought about being an entertainment manager? And he said, well, I'm thinking about it now. Why do you ask? And I just, for some reason, this guy seemed like he had all the qualities I would want in a manager. I didn't have a manager. And I said, well, here's how it would go. And I just on the spot said, I would give you some percentage of this and you do this and that. And want to try it for a few months? He said, sure. It worked pretty well. Three months later, he's quit his job at Allstate, became my manager. Other people started hearing about it. Yeah. Other people started hearing about it. He started getting other clients because they were hearing about the work he was doing with me. And one of the first things he did was say, we need to get you on some some TV. We need to get you on the media. And his first thought was CT Style. He made the call. He's the one that got me set up with you guys the first time. I love it. That is a fantastic story. Isn't that Your weird? life changes in a day. <laughs> a turn, a left or a so, right turn. It's crazy. Exactly, wow. Exactly. I'm so glad you guys met up though, huh? How yeah, it's super, super weird. So um so I love actually let me just ask about uh so your husband's name is Brandon, right? Yes, Brandon Dufour. He uh yeah, Brandon, runs not the... not Brendan, because they got a thing about that. I know Brandon's and Brendan's got a thing about that. It's Brandon, right? <laughs> you got it. That's funny. Uh D O N too. Uh yeah, he uh, he's my husband. We've been married for uh six years, almost six years, and he's the uh, owner operator of the Next Street Driving School, which is um, the largest driving school in New England. Unbelievable! He must be making quite a pivot right now with no one on the road. Oh, it was terrible. He had to lay off 126 employees when this all started, um, oh. but he has close to 100 percent of them back. Uh, oh. The DMV granted um, online driver's education, so wow. we're all just learning how to evolve. But he's got his staff back. Which is wow, that's that's great! Congratulations yeah. to to Brandon. Should he should he be listening from the other room or something, or listening to this Usually later? You he's never five know. Feet away, but he's in the car. I think on a phone call. <laughs> that's what I was I was going to say. You never know these days. He could be sitting right next to you. I just can't see him. Um, yeah, no, typically is. That's <laughs> so okay, so I have kind of one final uh, one or two questions to drive this home. Before I do that, where do you want people to connect with you online these days? Where do you want them to find you? Um, I think social media is great. I'm at Teresa Dufour, T- Teresa, then it's D-U number four. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And I also have a website, TeresaDufour.com, that I put some public appearances on. Or if you want to get a hold of me, sometimes it's easier through there. So I'd love to hear from everybody. Yeah, yeah. We'll make sure that all that is in the show notes of, the, uh, of the episode, <laughs> of course. Um, okay, so kind of two questions to, to, to bring this in. The first is, 
The vast majority of the listeners, the audience of this show are young professionals, kind of 22 to 35, and the people who work with young professionals. So there's like kind of the 22 to 35 beginning of their career, just Mm -hmm. building. Uh, And then there's also the people who are kind of educators and upper managers and execs that kind of work with folks like that. Um, What piece of advice would you give to a young professional today Maybe even a kid who who's graduating college like next month into the most unpredictable job economy, maybe ever. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, what advice would you give somebody who's looking to build a sustainable career in an increasingly unpredictable world? I think the best advice is to put the time in, put the energy in, put the effort in. I think. Um, it's not going to come easy to you. You have to hustle, you have to chase your dreams, and you have to put the legwork in. You have to meet people, you have to talk to people, even if you think they're not going to help you with your career. I mean, we just talked about chance encounters. You never know who's going to help you or who knows who or how you can get connected with somebody. And this might sound silly and it might sound old school, but I have had so much luck with the handwritten thank you note. I think one of the reasons I actually got my job in Louisiana um, is because I wrote a note even before I got there about how excited I was going to be about this chapter of my life and this new part of the country. It's just anytime someone does anything for you, I always, not an email, I write out a thank you note. I take the time to find their address and it just shows people that you are so grateful that they're helping you. I mean, people are busy. People don't have a ton of time. And if someone goes out of their way to assist you or open a door for you, thank them. Thank them appropriately. So that's my advice. Keep the old school thank you note handy. Uh, you know, I, I I love that the first half of that advice was, was <laughs> mindset oriented and the second half was practical because the, all that mindset <laughs> stuff totally agree all the way down the line with that, you know, especially meeting meeting new people um, and, and meeting anybody, not just people mm-hmm. you think can help you. Right. Um, uh, but but then that's that second part about the thank you <laughs> note or I mean, that is so it's going when to separate I get, you from other people. How many people send a thank you note anymore? I, I mean, literally advice. no, <laughs> literally nobody. And then when you get something, I've had a few like of my clients send me it's always interesting because I always feel like my instinct is I want to thank the client for hiring me sometimes they beat me to it and they send me a thank you for coming in and doing it it's weird how people perceive gratitude right (laughs) um but I you know and and yeah you can send as if you have if you are on basically no budget a thank you note is priceless I mean it costs 50 cents or a dollar basically anybody can afford it you can do that and then you can you can also get creative if you have a little bit of a budget. Like I've had some, you know, big, huge international VIP clients that I've sent like the world's best gourmet chocolate in a box, like from See, them. You know, that's a good you move know, too. People appreciate you know. kindness and that's what it comes down to. If yeah. you someone went out of their way to help you, let them know you appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so let's let's wrap with this question uh, that okay. I've just I just started asking as of the current situation about a month ago, which is with everything going on, what are you most grateful for today? I am most grateful for my healthy family. I think that's what it comes down to. You you watch the news, you see how this pandemic is just devastating people. You hear sad stories about young people getting sick with this, and I am just so grateful that. 
no one in my family has been affected by this yet. And I, and, and every day I pray and I am blessed and, and I don't take any of that for granted. I'm thankful that my husband is able to work from home, that I'm able to work from home and we're able to keep our children safe. Teresa, this has been so much fun to get a, a behind the scenes peek a little bit more about the whole journey. I think it's really easy for people to see, um, you know, kind of public figures only in the, you know, only in that that window of, you know, the 30 minute show and just the one version of them. So this is a uh, thank you for being uh, for being here and opening up about some of this. This was yeah. terrific. I'm just honored to be one of your guests. Thank you for having me, Brian. Oh, such and a pleasure. Luck. Such a pleasure. You're, I can't, you're going to be a dad soon. You're going <laughs> to understand a lot more what I'm talking about once uh, you hold that little person in the hospital. Yeah, I'm going to be texting you, I think. <laughs> I'm here to you, help. <laughs> by the way, you you should start a podcast. This is the time to start a podcast. It's a, it's a valid point. It would be a lot. It would be something. Come back oh. on my show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you again, and we'll uh, we'll stay in touch. I'm sure. Very good. Hope to see you in the studio next time. Yes. <laughs> So much fun catching up with Teresa. Before you Google VHS tape for a trip down nostalgia lane, here are a few takeaways from this episode. First, if you've ever dreamt of being in the media, sharing your voice, your perspective, or story with hundreds or thousands of others, you've got no excuses left. Everyone has a media studio in their pocket. The same device you're listening on right now is an instant window to nearly every human being on planet Earth. Hit record, share your viewpoint, then hit upload, and that's it. The gatekeepers are gone. So what are you waiting for? Second, never underestimate the power of persistence. Yes, luck plays a huge factor in determining success. But if you believe in your heart of hearts that something is right for you, You've got to keep at it. Teresa mailed out a total of over 200 VHS tapes to find just one opportunity. But that one opportunity is all it took to set her on the path to success. And finally, sometimes simple is best. When is the last time you sent a handwritten thank you note? To anyone, for any reason. It's a low-energy but high-reward way to double down on your relationships. Head to beyondnetworkingpodcast.com for all of Teresa's social media links and website. Remember to join the community email for automatic notifications about new episodes and cool bonuses like cut segments and access to a private networking Facebook group, which I'm launching this summer 2020. Share this episode with the VIPs in your life and use hashtag Beyond Networking on social media so we can find you and thank you. That said, I'm Brian Miller. This is Beyond Networking, and we'll see you next time. Starting in this profession. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll yeah, be the no, first no, person. That's... I lost my train of thought, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah.